Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversee. You're listening to the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So we're going to be uh, discussing, engaging in vigorous, robust um, talk on culture, history, current events. From a biblical perspective, folks, the only perspective that matters we're on, by the way, Voice of Truth Radio Show is on every Thursday at 5 p.m., Sunday, uh, Saturdays at 3 p.m., and we podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike A. Zinger, and you can email us even, I'm, I'm going to just throw my other email in there because it's brand new and it hasn't gotten any emails. Throw it out I there. think it's lonely. So <laughs> it's lonely. Please help him out. <laughs> Mike Azinger at uh, Mike Azinger1965 at gmail.com. Do you know what 1965 is? Man, that's a good year, I, I think. That I don't was... know. I wasn't around then. So <laughs> <laughs> it was well before. Way before your yeah. time. What year, what year were you born? I'm uh, a 77, baby. 77. So I've yeah. got 12 years on you. Yeah. But it doesn't show. No. I, mean, I think you look I mean, older than I am. <laughs> I believe you. I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hardly the truth. All right. So we're going to. Uh, Get right into it. Pastor's been on vacation. Who did we have last week? I, I did, uh, um, well, I was on with the Dallas, I believe, Mark and Tim. They're so good to have, too. They're a lot of fun. They're like, uh, you know, 18. They come in. Yep. And Tim doesn't say much, but when he says something, it's always funny. It just, <laughs> and Mark, his dad, uh, uh, I've known him so long, we just know how to kind of play off each other. But we have fun. And um, uh, all right, so it's we're recording Wednesday morning. The date today is the. Do you have any idea what the date is? I have no idea. The eighth. The eighth. Uh, there were some elections last night. There was a really, um, oh, exciting election out in San Francisco. Yeah. The most liberal. I mean, let's let's just say they're ungodly out there in terms mm-hmm. of you know that's where a lot of ungodliness yeah. takes place. That's where Nancy Pelosi's district is and so what happened in uh in uh hold on folks i gotta find it uh here's the headline from breitbart san francisco voters recall radical da chasa budin b-o-u-d-i-n warning to left-wing prosecutors nationwide now listen to this this is a big deal this is uh this just shows you um in our nature, constitutionally, we, we demand order. We have mm-hmm. to have order. We're made in the image of God. Sure. So this, this gentleman, uh, San Francisco voters have recalled radical district attorney Chesa Boudin, according to the AP, NBC News, San Francisco Chronicle. The, the yes vote to recall him is over 60%. That's amazing. There, this is the radical left in San Francisco. These folks that live in the area um, are predominantly left wing. 
But they're saying enough enough is enough. Boudin, the son of convicted weather underground militant David Gilbert. So he's the son of radical communist uh, movers and shakers from the 60s, the weather underground. That's who that is. They're commies. He was uh, among the first of a cohort of left-wing prosecutors elected on um, to pursue, quote-unquote, criminal justice reform. That's a Marxist term, a code, code words, vowing to stop prosecuting, quote-unquote, quality of life crimes. Now, hmm. listen to this. His recall in the country's most left-wing city, hmm. San Fran, yep. <laughs> no surprise there, but uh, just a reminder, San Fran sends a warning to left-wing prosecutors nationwide, dozens of whom have been elected in the past few years with the help of millions of dollars in spending by left-wing billionaire, guess who? George Soros. George Soros. The man is a radical. He is uh, an enemy of our country. Um, So, let me get on down into the story. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, Boudin was losing in most of the city's voting precincts, though the no-vote opposing recall was strong in uh, certain neighborhoods where the hippie movement and flower children started. (laughs) Thanks to Boudin's policies and to those of his predecessor, George Gascon, who now serves as a DA in in L.A., San Francisco has slid into the mire of crime, drugs, and homelessness. Those things that you see on TV, those don't happen by accident. That's a leadership issue. It is. It truly is. I mean, where there is no vision, the people perish. And when you don't have a vision for, you know, how God has built the construct of how there's order to a society— this is what you get, and we were there. We were. This was already happening before even you know some of these people were getting elected. We went up and visited San Francisco, and uh, there were there were a few beautiful parts of it, but it was being so overrun by the homeless and the tent cities and the vagrants, and nothing was being done about it, and it was just destroying us. It was really sad, really sad to see because there's a lot of beautiful places oh. in California yes. that could just be outstanding, and and they're letting it just. Just go crazy! It's yeah, California is unsurpassed in its in it's, its gorgeous. Beauty. I've been. Yeah. Uh, we spent a whole summer there when I was twelve in seventy mm-hmm. six. My uncles lived out there, and uh, uh, we went. We went to San Francisco, and yep. we stayed in the Newport Beach area mm-hmm. for us. Gorgeous, and just there's there's no comparison to uh, the beauty that God created mm-hmm. in California. Yeah. That's why everyone moves there. Right. Boudin was a hero to the left who saw him as an important ally. In the words of MSNBC host Chris Hayes, against uh, he was an ally against mass incarceration and uh, broken windows policy. So that's the policy that Giuliani used to bring order back to New York City, broken mm. windows policy. You fix the little things, and then the big things take care of themselves. These, mm. these uh, guys that jump the stalls at the uh, subway, you arrest them yeah. because often they have other uh, warrants mm-hmm. or whatever, but you take care of the little things. That's yeah. a biblical principle. It absolutely take is. Take care of the little things, and the big things will will fall in line. Absolutely. And, you know, people think that by uh, turning a blind eye to any form of, of, 
uh, infraction or sin. Uh, we do that in our own personal life, and it gets out of control. I mean, you know, you never start murdering people, really. It usually starts with the battle of the mind and then a battle of other behavioral issues that you don't have in alignment with the Lord and His Word. And then, you know, you start searing that conscience that God has given you. And that's what we're doing in our culture today. We are addressing morality even from the, the, the most basic levels, and we're letting it run rampant, and, and we're, we're running into a nation where generationally the conscience is being seared, and people now even struggle knowing what right and wrong is. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment, mm-hmm. about all of this. Uh, I, I just I read a, a, f- a phenomenal article on the whole LGBT thing mm-hmm. and how the different generations look at it. It is fascinating, folks. You you want to stay tuned mm-hmm. for the next segment. Third segment, by the way, we're going to play your uh, your sermon from Mother's Day mm-hmm. that um, that talks about the family from a biblical perspective that I thought was so powerful that um, you know I suggested hey let's put that uh, make that part of our mm-hmm. radio show. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that uh, on this show in the third segment, and uh, so that is must listening also. And then we're going to have your dad back next yeah. week. Yeah, boy, that <laughs> we'll talk about so that later. Yeah. We're still wounded on that one. We had a show going; the show was just doing phenomenal, and the computer crashed. Yeah. Uh, so I've been uh, weeping and wailing, for, but we're going <laughs> to have him back on. It was really a, gr- a good show yeah, that probably, you didn't get to hear, folks. Yeah, exactly. But the three yeah. of us, enjoyed we enjoyed it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do it again. All right. Let me uh, let me just uh, get a few more paragraphs from this. Story. So Boudin was elected in 2019. That's only a couple years ago, three three years ago. And he was an early proponent of ending cash bail and prosecution for petty crimes that uh, we just that we just talked about. So and uh, well, let me just go ahead. Go ahead here. As Breitbart News reported, Boudin immediately fired experienced gang prosecutors. Wow. He also, quote-unquote, became the first prosecutor in the nation to eliminate cash bail, saying it discriminated discriminated against the poor. Um, When Mayor London Breed tried to launch a crackdown on crime in the drug-infested Tenderloin District, Boudin publicly opposed her efforts. Uh, He clashed with police over prosecuting offers for alleged brutality. lenient toward casual shoplifters that might be the area where they said look we're not going to we're not going to arrest uh shoplifting f- under a certain it's <laughs> crazy how do you do that you're basically just opening the doors to all of the merchants and saying have at them i mean yeah so <laughs> what you, so what are you going to do you're going to leave the city which is what happened exactly these retail chains as the story says they left the city Absolutely. of course they are people will people will not tolerate i don't care how leftist you are will mm-hmm. not tolerate chaos they will not. you have to have order no. and uh so more than uh 85% of San Fran voters picked Biden over Trump in this area but they're mm-hmm. saying enough of this Boudin guy we 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 uh, we're leftist but we're not <laughs> we're not that bad we're not that stupid yep. and and uh they they uh said you're out of here and he is out of here last paragraph of the article Boudin's defeat could foreshadow a similar fate for his predecessor George Gascon uh, Gascon who was elected DA of Los Angeles mm-hmm. last year um so, all this Soros money, Soros money, bringing these these left wing um, these left wing 
DAs and prosecutors and so on is having an effect. But even in San Francisco, they said, look, enough's enough. Which is great. Yes, it is. It's and very it's good. It's good for the state to see that a recall can be effective. You know, I think that that helps to mobilize people to know that I can have a voice, yeah. even if even if. Even if people say that this state is maybe too far gone or too far to the left or whatever, it's really neat to see that that there is some functionality there where people can remove somebody from office who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. The, right. And and like you said, to see that happen, it, it takes away a lot of discouragement yep. and cynicism. Because the that, governor recall didn't go the way that you know yeah. a, a lot of people, I think, wanted it to, to go. Cool. Correct, and uh, I think that brought some discouragement, you know, to some people that were that were building movements against some of this far left radicalization of the state. I mean, it's obviously been a left state for a long time, but um, there are good people in California. There are a lot of believers in California. In fact, mm-hmm. the, the largest homeschool community exists in California, which which shocked me when we had moved there to start the ministry. Yeah. And uh, and there, you know, there needs to be a, a light there. And I'm just, I'm really. I'm really pleased to see that there was some movement. And there's another uh, election to watch, and that's the the uh, mayor's race race in L.A. And uh, conservative businessman, I don't know how conservative, but pretty conservative, is taking on a left-wing congressman uh, for the mayor's race there. I think that – I don't think that took place last night. I think that's going to be in November, but – so people are looking at that one also, and that, mm-hmm. that'll be a big deal. I think, you know, California historically was Republican. It was yeah. always Republican yeah. and illegal immigration. Yeah. When you bring in millions of people that have no clue about what a constitutional mm-hmm. republic is and don't care, and many of whom are here just to get on the dole, mm-hmm. let's be honest about it, you're going to change um, a state and a country – to the point of no return if you, yeah. if we don't get a hold yeah. of it. So, um, well, yeah. the, the practical way you look at it is you can only pay so much for a piece of property and then let it all fall apart around you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it is not a cheap place to live, California. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, I not. think the people who've invested there, you know, they're 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 going to have to wake up and understand that these these policies are are destroying their state. I think though, the, you know, the problem is these illegal immigrants are voting. Yeah. And you, yeah. there's, when that happens, forget about it. Yeah. You know, you can wake up all the people you want. Right. Uh, and, and and you know, I, I think that that there could be a, a, a uh, an awakening there. Well, if it's going to happen, it better happen quickly because yeah. they're going to keep saturating it with uh, the the issues that, that have been there. And it'll be almost impossible to vote anything else. Or evangelize and win them to the Lord. How about that? Let's do that. Win them to Jesus Christ. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to talk in the next segment about, uh, well, we're going to do your your sermon in the next segment, and then we're going to uh, move into this article about the LGBT thing. I just want to, for a couple minutes here, this is uh, a little meme I found. I don't remember where. It's it's, uh, Wall Builders, David Barton. Uh, I think I found it on Facebook, probably. In 1962, prayer was removed from schools. How are things since then? Hmm. So, And, of course, the Bible was removed in 63. So he's got five graphs here. Hmm. Picture those in your head. Everything going along smoothly. Uh, And then he marks 1962 when 
prayer was removed, and violent crime was going along just kind of flatlining, and all of a sudden skyrockets in 1962, violent crime. Single-parent households going along, raising, uh, going up a little bit in 1962, skyrockets. Mm. Prayer and Bible taken out of school. Premarital sex, flatlines, very rare. In 1962 and 3, Bible and prayer taken out, skyrockets. Mm. Birth rates for unwed girls. That would be under uh, from 15 to 19 years of age. Basically, flat lines. 1962, 63, Bible and prayer taken out, just skyrockets. Mm. Lastly, SAT scores. Not just morally, but intellectually. And uh, uh, so, SAT scores. Mine's average in here. It would be a lot lower. I don't <laughs> think that they got. They didn't. Have, they didn't call. They right. yeah, well. so Let's not call anything. This is really throw things off. All right. SAT scores. Nineteen sixty-two and three. Bible and prayer taken out. They plummet. Hmm. Plummet. I mean, I wish folks could see this graph, but but these aren't these aren't uh, uh, these aren't things that are just kind of. Slowly going up, and though no, in 1962 and three, prayer and Bible taken out. These these bad mm. things skyrocket, and the good things, the SAT plummets. Mm. You know, the Bible speaks to that it, through the the characters that are given to us in Scripture. When you look at a Joseph, or you look at a Daniel, or you look at the three Hebrew children, you find a godly people who've been taken captive in some way into a, a, a secularized nation. And you find that these children rise above the rest, not necessarily because they have uh, less or, or, or more intellectual capacity, but because they have been given wisdom by God. And, and there's a certain wisdom that, that transcends earthly knowledge. And when you remove that wisdom from the culture, from the public sphere, from the mm. arenas where you're training children— mm. It's going to show up in more than just morality. You know, I mean, obviously we understand that Joseph in the Old Testament was a moral man, and we understand that Daniel and three Hebrew children, they had principles, godly principles that they stood on. But they were also esteemed well intellectually because they were given wisdom by God. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist in order to be well off intellectually. The Bible really tells us throughout all of Scripture, especially in the book of Proverbs, hey, you need to have the wisdom of God. If you have the wisdom of God, you're going to be able to uh, really make an impact on your community yes. and your culture. There is no, uh, you know, the difference between worldly wisdom and God's wisdom. Hmm. In our nation, uh, you know, we've historically had godly wisdom. Yeah. You know, we have a, we just celebrated D-Day mm-hmm. yesterday. Is that right? The sixth, yeah. whatever. Tip. No, you're right. So on the sixth, we celebrated D Day, and the the amazing undertaking undertaking that was, and people went to churches and prayed. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, people sought God on that day, and Eisenhower, you know, God God gave us Eisenhower. He he wasn't even a war mm-hmm. uh, a war veteran, and he he but he had wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, to 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 put together the American, British, and Canadian forces into 
uh, pick the spots where to attack mm-hmm. and where to deceive the enemy and so on. Mm-hmm. It took, that took wisdom, and, and God's uh, America had that wisdom yeah. back then. Yeah. God blessed America in a way, and and it was a a, a fruitful undertaking. As as sad as it was, so many of those <laughs> boys died on the beach. Oh, absolutely. But, well, we just got back from Washington D.C. on vacation, and. Um, was able again to see all the inscriptions on the monuments and, and look at some of the writings firsthand and, you know, go to the, uh, the, uh, the wonderful national treasure that we have of the documents, you know, and, and seeing the Declaration of Independence. And, and you can see the wisdom of God penned by these founders of our nation. And, and a lot of the, the principled freedom that we have in our nation have experienced over these 200 and some years. We, we come directly from wisdom that was extracted from Scripture. And you can argue all day long about whether, you know, these, these founding fathers were saved or they had a relationship with the Lord or they knew the Lord. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that there was wisdom from God that was brought to bear in the forming of our nation. And in the forming of our nation, they drew from Scripture. You can't help but see it. Scriptures used in the in the speeches they gave, in the words they wrote, and in the crafting of how our nation was put together. Yeah. And it's just so awesome to go there and see that. Yeah, and there's empirical data even that the most sourced document uh, by the founders was the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It is true. All right, so here's what we'll do here, Pastor. I'm giving this some thought here. Let, uh, let's go ahead and, and go into uh, the article by Michael Brown, the next segment. We'll do your... Uh, sermon in the third segment. Sounds good. To follow up with that. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show with Mike Azinger and Brian Leversey. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. We appreciate you folks tuning in, and uh, we get comments still. You know, hey, we like your show. We listen to your show. And it always is uplifting and Absolutely. encouraging, right? Yeah, so, we like we want to make a positive impact yeah, and bless know, people if we can. So. Right, amen to that. So here's what we're going to do this segment. We're going to talk about this article on, uh, it's called Sociological Contagion in the Growing Non-Binary Movement, which sounds like a real snoozer. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Pass. But, <laughs> but all that means is, look, this is, um, uh, this is what's happening in the culture from our acceptance of the whole non-binary nonsense. Binary just simply means the regular normal stuff. Boy likes girl, girls, girl likes boy, mm-hmm. as God ordained it, right? right. So non-binary is, look, we don't want that. We're for whatever we want to do and love whoever we want to love, mm-hmm. air quotes. Um, so we're going to do this article here and then move in. Third segment, pastor's... Uh, a, pa- a piece of pastor's sermon from Mother's Day that you will that you'll love. So stay tuned the whole show. But um, we're just going to flesh out this article, and you're going to love this article too by a guy named Michael Brown. It's from DailyWire.com. According to controversial 2021 Barna poll, uh, nearly listen to this pastor. Nearly 40 percent, 40 percent. Of Gen Z describes themselves as being somewhere on the LGBT spectrum. Wow. 
A 2021 Gallup poll cuts that number in half, but still notes the upsurge in numbers. Roughly 21% of Gen Z Americans who have reached adulthood, those born between 1997 and 2003, identify as LGBT. That is nearly double the proportion of millennials who do so, while the gap widens even further when compared with older generations, end quote. Even Gallup's lower figures still point to a dramatic upturn in LGBT identification, especially when compared to previous generations. Now, listen to this. So here's the generations, because these can all be very confusing, but the article uh, uh, astutely points out the years, so you'll know where you are in the generation and, and where your kids are and so on. So um, this is I, the percentage that identify with LGBT. Okay. Gen Z, that's uh, born 97 to 03, 20.8%. Hmm. The other one says 40%, but Gallup says 20%. That's uh, stunning, yeah, staggering. Is. Millennials. Born 81 to 96, 10 percent. So you go one generation down, it cuts in half. Hmm. Gen X, that's me, 65 to 80, I was born 65, 4.2 percent. Wow. That's half again. Wow. Baby boomers, born 1946 to 64, 2.6. So Hmm. it's almost cut in half again. Now, traditionalists, the old timers, Born like my dad, my mom, but born before 1946, 0.8%. Yeah. So this this kills the, I was born that way. Right. Uh, this is uh, directly associated with an agenda that's being brought about. There's brainwashing going yeah. on here is, is the whole point. Yeah. How do we explain this very drastic increase, Michael Brown asked in his article I'm reading. It's not as if uh, baby boomers didn't ride the wave of the sexual revolution, right? That's right. What, That was their revolution. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the uh, think sex, drugs, and rock and roll, he says here. After all, the 1969 Stonewall riots took place on our watch. Talking about himself, he was a boomer. Uh, the Stonewall riots were the 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 uh, when the, when the homosexuals started really coming out at the Stonewall Inn in I think San Francisco. Yeah, um, I write uh, so. Yet only two point six percent of that baby boomer generation identifies as LGBT. How did we get from there to here? How did we get to the American Library Association celebrating Drag Queen Story Hour yeah. for toddlers? If there is something ungodly, it is that. Yeah. I mean, they have little kids putting money in the, you yeah. know, okay? It's crazy. So, so these parents, I mean, parents clapping and smiling while their kids do this. How do we get to Disney funding? Did you know this? Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Did How do we get to Disney Funding sex change surgery yeah. for the children of their employees. Yep. How do we get to medical doctors talking about people who give birth, quote unquote, rather than mothers or claiming that men can menstruate, uh, menstruate too? How do we get to college classes beginning with each student giving out his or her preferred pr- uh, gender pronouns, including new pronouns such as Bun, bun, buns, bun self, z, zer, ziz, zer self. It's insane. It is. 
It's insanity. I mean, in any other world, it'd be laughable, but this is the reality that we live in today. It's unbelievable. It's, uh, you, you can't believe what you're seeing. So here we go. How do we get to headlines like double mastectomy at 15? Hmm. That is ungodly. That yeah. is the, the depths of evil. D-trans 16-year-old now seeks reversal. Somebody told that 16-year-old, yeah, you can transition. Now, if it was a boy or a girl, I'm not sure. He's saying, uh, I don't want to do this. Mm. Is it too late? What have they done to that child's body? The White House or the White House announces moves to general neutral passports. <laughs> that's, that's a security issue there. Yeah. It, uh, it's as if something suddenly shifted in our culture, as if something was in the water or in the air, because almost out of the blue, our world turned upside down. Even with a clear and definite strategy, as much ground as LGBT plus activism has been gaining for dec- uh, decades now, if I had told you just 10 years ago that Bruce uh quote-unquote Caitlyn Jenner would be named Woman of the Year by Glamour Magazine and that the NCAA would defend the quote-unquote rights of a biological male competing against biological females in women's sports, you uh, would you have believed me? Never. And what do we make of the new phenomenon known as rapid-onset gender dysphoria? Have you heard of that? I think barely I have. I'm not sure. This is an increasingly common Double troubling trend in which teenagers, mostly girls, suddenly begin to identify as transgender. We're talking about kids who showed no signs of gender confusion all their lives and then virtually overnight begin to identify as trans. Mm -hmm. It is heartbreaking to read their parents' stories as they uh, agonize over the self-destruction of their kids. Mm -hmm. You can imagine being a parent and just overnight... Now, the article gets into how this happens, hmm. and it, it's, uh, it's sobering, shocking, and uh, horribly, wow. horribly tragic. So hang on here. Let me take a sip of water. But I'm not the only one asking this question. Matt Walsh recently documented a new Internet fad in which young people are diagnosing themselves as suffering with multiple personality disorder. Hmm. And consequently, identifying as gender non-binary. Or, look, I don't like a, uh, you know, I'm a girl, I don't like a boy now, boys, I don't like girls now. After all, if one of their personalities is male and another female and another bi, they are, by their own diagnosis, non-binary, and they refer to themselves as, quote-unquote, the system. Hmm. This is causing real chaos in the lives of these young people, as expressed to me by a concerned mother who sent me to Matt Walsh's video. She wrote, do you know anything about this? I'm literally livid. This is how it started with us. Our daughter went on some social media site, convinced herself she was a system with lots of personalities, like a hundred, and did uh, did this exact same thing. Now her teen daughter is taking male hormones after identifying as trans and has cut off all communication with her mom. Hmm. How on earth is this happening to so many young people at the same 
time? Yeah. That's the question, Pastor. Yeah. How is this happening to so many young people at the same time? How is this generation 20% LGBT or 40% or yeah. whatever it is? Right. And uh, the old timers are 0.8%. Right. And you and I, our generation, this is this is a a uh, progression of of uh, indoctrination that's been taking place each generation because it's been doubling every generation Absolutely. and here we are it's just exploding with these poor Gen Zers unbelievable author JK Rowling recently expressed her grief after reading tweets uh, reading tweets like this at at 16 I was prescribed testosterone after two therapy visits they didn't ask about my BPD or past trauma I know I now have PCOS and am awaiting testing to determine if I need a hysterectomy, have cancer. I will never be able to afford uh, breast reconstruction because they removed them. Wow. My consent was not informed. Hmm. This little girl, Rowling, tweeted in response, this breaks my heart. I've now spoken to many young women who tell similar stories. This is the this is evil beyond description. Yeah. In an interview on Joe Rogan's podcast while speaking about these very subjects, psychologist Jordan Peterson made reference to the concept of sociological contagion, noting that opening the boundaries of sex categories would fatally confuse thousands of young girls. He also referenced the writings of, I don't know who, but uh, a new trend takes hold of culture and suddenly it is a as if a significant portion of the society has lost its mind. Hmm. This makes me think back to Cabbage Patch Kids craze of the 1980s. <laughs> you were probably too young to remember this. I remember it. When out of the blue, our children just had to have one of these dolls. And people went nuts just to get it. Make no mistake about it, sociological contagion is very real. And today, with the help of social media, the contagion, whatever it is, has the ability to spread exponentially. <laughs> Uh, and the article goes on, but what he basically says um, is, look, this is happening on the Internet. Yeah. These little girls are going on the Internet, mm-hmm. and wherever they're going, uh, they're, being, they're being brainwashed, and it's, it's happening. And schools are teaching it now, uh, the, L, the whole LGBT agenda the critical race theory agenda, and yeah. uh, it's it, you know we took the Bible and prayer out of schools. Yeah. We took truth out, and you think that it's going to be all happy things after that? Well, that's where you see all this generational uh, advancement of this ideology take place is is right back there. I mean, you're you're noting the percentages of these generations and what percentage of them identified in this manner sexually, and you find that it it, it just explodes after they take the truth out of the public sphere. And this is uh, this is what's what's happening. One more paragraph I'll read from Michael Brown's story uh, on Daily Wire. I'm thinking back to 1990 when two Harvard-trained gay sociolo- sociologists, Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen, published their watershed book, After the Ball, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s. Their goal was the, quote, Conversion of the average American's emotions, mind, and will through a planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed to the nation via the media. So, 
so w- what all this is saying, I don't want to sum up someone else's work, but but um, uh, look, we 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 didn't hold to to God's standards, yeah. and the Christians, and and I think the church also uh, didn't do a good job with with reaching homosexuals yep. back in the 80s and the 90s probably the 70s and we we laughed at them we mocked them we didn't love them like they should be loved like any uh like inner, any sinner should be loved you know I'm a sinner you're a sinner. we're yeah. all born sinners mm-hmm. and we're saints when we become Christians but 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 we're not to mock and laugh at mm-hmm. Unbelievable, unbelievers, yeah. and so a lot of them probably have a hatred for the church, and and understandably so. Yeah. But we have to hold a line, Pastor, and we have to say whether we have uh, uh, homosexuals in our family or don't. You know, we de- they don't determine our morals. Mm-hmm. Our moral morals are are rooted in mm-hmm. Scripture and w- and what God says about them. Well, and and we have to understand that there's something deeper here than even just a sexualization of our culture, though that is a byproduct of what is going on. What what really is the fatal blow in in the spiritual context of this is the fact that the image of man is being stripped away, and that's what Satan ultimately wants to do. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's the I think the most egregious um, way that you can rebel against God is to strip away his image from your life. Mm. And uh, you find that in this uh, this issue of the LGBTQ spectrum and, and the confusion that's coming about as a result of it is you have this widespread stripping away of the uniqueness and the imagery of God upon a person's life. That's why in the sermon that I preached on Mother's Day, I wanted to take the opportunity um, to define again biblically what motherhood is because, you know, I just think it's so important for us in every category, fatherhood, motherhood. Uh, when we talk about the truth of God's image in our life, there are callings that are associated with that. And and since there are callings that are associated with that, there's purpose that is associated with that. So when you strip away God's image from a person's life, you're stripping away their calling, you're stripping away their purpose. Mm. And that's why on many of these graphs, statistically, when you see the rise of this gender dysphoria, when you see the rise of this gender confusion, you also see the rise in suicidal thoughts, you see the mm. rise in active suicides that are taking place. You see the rise in crime and in frustration and in hatred for other people. Because when you have that image stripped away from you, you can't help but notice the deep void that exists in your life when you're not connected with the image of God. Mm, that is very, very well said. Yeah, I mean, you just take, you, know, you mentioned the suicide rate. The suicide rate among uh, the LGBT is Staggeringly yeah. high, it's like forty yeah. percent, something. And you would think that these people encouraging these kids to do do, do that would care enough about them uh, to understand that they're prompting them to become um, LGBT is also prompting them to potential suicide. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, anyway, uh, fascinating story by Michael. I had a question for you. Daily Wire. Sure. I usually don't try to bring up things I haven't vetted uh, on on the show, um, but it's getting so much buzz out there. I don't know if you've seen it or heard about it. There's a, uh, I think a documentary that I think it was Matt Walsh put together. Yeah. On what is a woman? And uh, I've seen some clips from it and so on. And, um, it just seems like it's an eye opening piece really showing, uh, how far we've gone in, in this fantasy world of eliminating any kind of empirical truth and just making things up as we go along. I've heard really, really good things about that uh, 
documentary. I actually tried to buy it on Daily Wire. I just joined Daily Wire. I'd never paid for right. a service. They're four bucks a month, and that's right. where I got the article we just talked sure. about. And uh, they have such great content, and they won't let you see it all unless you buy. Please Imagine buy that. It, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then I was trying to find Matt Walsh's documentary. I couldn't figure out. Uh, I'm in the wrong generation. I think. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll have my 12 year old daughter find. There you it. go. But um, uh, I heard it is. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I heard it is excellent. And Matt Walsh, I believe, is uh, a Christian. I mm-hmm. think he's a biblical, uh, Bible-believing Christian. So, yes, I heard it's very good. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. Pastor Leversey's um, sermon from Mother's Day about, I don't know, how, how, you, how would you describe is it? I, I just I wanted to give a simple definition from Scripture of what motherhood is. Mm-hmm. And what I, what, I, what I felt the Lord led me to do is to convey the fact that motherhood is too important to to mess with and to ignore and to 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 push to the sideline and i just give some some real examples from our culture of, of how we're leaving the biblical definition of motherhood and i try to reinforce what the bible says about motherhood Amen. and it was it was excellent i will tell you that it was my idea to put it on the air and uh, one of the few sermons I stayed awake through the entire <laughs> thing. Well, I, I think so. Let me think. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, uh, so I always joke. I always rib Pastor Leprosy about that, but his sermons are always good and often excellent. This one, um, this I think just soared, and I think it will help you folks, and you'll be encouraged to hear that there are men behind the pulpit preaching the truth in a day when that's very mm. unpopular. Mm. All right, so we'll do that, and then our world-famous etiquette segment will finish her up for oh, the yeah. hour, and uh, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio show with Mike Azinger and uh, Brian Leversey. We'll be right back. The title of my message this morning is Affirming Biblical Motherhood. Affirming Biblical Motherhood. How many of you are glad this morning that the Bible speaks to every issue of life? And the reason why the Bible speaks to every issue of life is because God is the highest authority over all of life. And the reason why God is the highest authority over all of life is because God spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Our God created all things. And by the way, he created all life. And aren't you glad that when God created, he said, it is good. It is complete. It is perfect. And so God can speak to us considering all issues of life because he is the authority over all of life and he's created all of life. As we look to Scripture this morning, we can certainly hear him concerning this issue of motherhood. He can speak to it because he has created it. We're going to begin this morning in Genesis chapter 1. I want to draw your attention to verse number 24 as we begin. The words are also on the screen. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
And notice this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And I love this. And God blessed them. And and what was part of this blessing? What was this? And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I love that we have this account of God's creation in Scripture This creative act which put into time and space his will concerning his desire for family and specifically, as we're going to talk about today, motherhood. So I'm excited this morning to be able to open in a very confused world, in a very confused world. I'm excited to be able to open up the truth of God's word and declare and to affirm biblical motherhood this morning. Aren't you glad that God loves us and he tells us what life is all about? Aren't you glad that God loves us and he's designed for us how we can have such wonderful blessings because of what he has created? Let's pray this morning and let's ask God to help us as we learn from his word. Heavenly Father, God, we're so excited to be in your house this morning and we humbly position ourselves in front of your truth with an open heart desiring to hear from you. There's so many voices in our world today. There's so many opinions. There's so many theories. There there are so many philosophies, God, that are confusing and destroying and tearing apart that which you've created. And and we find ourselves living in a purposeless, joyless, superficial world where people are struggling with depression and discouragement and, and finding a purpose for life. And yet you have given us your word. You have given us your truth. The word even became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. You went to the cross for us. You died to free us from the chains of our sins. You give us your Holy Spirit. You illuminate our minds and our eyes so that we can see what's before us. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. May we listen this morning and may we follow and may we stop falling in the holes and ditches that the world lays out for us. May we find ourselves secure in your word this morning. We ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Affirming biblical motherhood. We live in a culture today that has disconnected itself from all moral authority. We live in a culture today that has disconnected itself from absolute truth. We live in a culture today that is spiraling, spiraling at an alarming rate and descending into madness and confusion and, by the way, frustration. How many of you understand? We live in a frustrated world today. And all of this is brought about because we no longer, listen to me, as a church, affirm the things that God has put in place. I'm not preaching to the world today. Because the world isn't going to agree with what's being spoken from the pulpit. I'm preaching to the church of God this morning. I'm preaching to God's people. I am preaching a very simple message about very basic truth that the church needs to hear on a regular basis again today. Because we've stopped rehearsing this 
and we've stopped promoting this, and we've stopped looking at even the simple truths of God's word, and we've become cute as church today, and we desire to appeal to the world in order to bring the world into the church, and that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to know him, to love him, to obey him, to be a witness for him, to lift him up, and not bring the world into the church, but to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what God has called us to do. And so we as the church need to rise up in strength and in certainty and in purpose and in truth and know what God has declared and embrace what God has declared and live what God has declared and teach to our children what God has declared. And I'm glad for the affirmation of his creation. I'm glad for the affirmation of him as a, as a God to us as his people. I'm glad for his salvation and redemption. And I'm glad we can talk about motherhood from a biblical perspective this morning. Now, I will tell you, there are those that are in the world that would dismiss me at hand just for being a man this morning. They would say, because you are a man, you are not allowed to speak to people about women's issues. But then they'll turn around and say, I can be a woman if I want to be. I'm confused. How many of you understand that not much of what takes place in this world today makes a whole lot of sense? And that's the world we live in. But this is what I'm going to do this morning. I am going to identify as a minister of the word of God, and I'm just going to preach the word this morning. (laughs) And you can look at me as a man, or you can look at me at whatever you want to this morning, But God's called me to be a faithful minister of the word of God, to preach the word and to be faithful to it in season and out of season, to rebuke, to exhort, to encourage, to instruct, to be faithful to the word of God. And I want to tell you, I don't care what the world has to say one bit this morning. I only care what my God says this morning. This world is broken and dark and falling apart and we need to be affirmed in the truth of the word of God. So this morning... We're going to look at affirming biblical motherhood. As we dig into our passage that we just read, I want us, first of all, to see this. I want us to see the design of motherhood. I want us to see the design of motherhood. And I begin reading in the creation account here in Genesis chapter number one and verse number 24 because it lays out an understanding of the order and design in which God created our world. And I want to, this isn't a message about creation and evolution this morning, but we have to know where we come from. The biggest problem that we have in our culture today is that we have taught our culture that our world arrived by accident some billions and trillions of years ago by some cause we can't identify, and then we just kind of happened here, that some cosmic explosion took place by accident, and in the randomness of the spewing off of different matter, it came together and formed life. And I want you to know that life isn't an accident. Life is on purpose, and it was breathed into this world by the breath of God. That's how life came about. And we see the order and design of it as we look at the creation account here in Genesis chapter 1. Notice with me verse number 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creature. And we find that the living creatures were formed by God. And these are cattle and creeping things. And and we find that these beasts, they begin to produce after their kind. It says they produce after their kind and all the cattle after their kind and all the creeping thing after their kind and God saw that it was good. And so we see that God brought 
the world together. He brought life together to produce after its kind. This is the order and design that we see in creation. I want to express to you this morning that there never has one time been a cow who has become a monkey. We did not begin as some amoeba in a pool of muck that split many times over under certain physical and, and, and uh, geological processes in order to manifest some form of intelligent life. We were created by God on purpose with design and he created each creature that he made to reproduce after their kind. Now, how many of you admit some of those creatures are pretty strange looking? How many of you would admit some of us creatures are pretty strange looking this morning? And it's a wonder to behold the majesty and it's a wonder to behold the diversity in which God brought about his creation. But there is no evolutionary process that brought about our life. God is the one who created it through order and design. And that leads us then to see the creation of man, the crowning capstone of his creation because we were formed in his image is what the Bible says. We see this in verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea. Why? Because they were not made in the image of God. Let him have dominion over the fowl of the air. Why? Because they were not made in the image of God. Let him have dominion over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Why? Because they were not made in the image of God. Man was made in the image of God. We are the crowning cap of God's creation. God has indelibly impressed upon us his creation, his image. We have a conscience. We have a capacity to be able intellectually and emotionally to connect in relationship with God where the beasts and the animals do not have that same makeup. Why? We were made in the image of God. Now, we see how he formed us. Notice verse 27. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, notice this, created he him, male and female created he them. And I know I speak about this a lot. You might think this is the only message I know how to preach, but I'm going to tell you something. Our world is being loud and crazy and boisterous, cramming down our children's throats, cramming down our culture's throats, this nonsense that God has established this spectrum of gender. And I want to re-echo and re-echo and re-echo to us again. There are not multiple streams of fluid genders. God created male and female. There is man and woman, and that is it. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I hope you enjoyed that segment of Pastor Leversy's sermon from Mother's Day. I loved it so much that I, uh, I suggested putting it on the air, and, man, it, it helped me and my family a lot. So we need to hear truth. With truth, we have to hear truth. We have to have lines drawn from, from uh, what God says, and those are called morals mm. and laws, 613 laws in the Old Testament. Yeah. Isn't that right? I have a, a Jewish gal in the Senate that we talk about the Old <laughs> Testament. She's very liberal, but we have that go. All right, so we're going to do, we're going to do uh, the Art of Manliness book. This is Cell Phone Etiquette. Nice. 
is there a, is there an issue with cell cones? No, <laughs> come on. There's not. No problems you're, you're there. You're not going to want to hear some of this. Some of this is like really <laughs> makes me uncomfortable, and, and I skip this. But uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, with the dollars, we're just going to rehash here. We only have about two minutes, so we're going to go quick. Number one, don't talk on your cell phone when you have a captive audience. Uh-huh. No one in the plane, train, restaurant, gym, or store wants to be held hostage to your conversation. Agreed. <laughs> Except when I need to take a call. <laughs> yeah. Step out of the gym, the plane, the train. Can you step out of a plane? Probably not when it's in the air. Probably not. That. That's or a good. train when it's going. <laughs> the restaurant you can, the gym you can. Uh, point being, uh, don't talk on the phone in front of they, no one wants to hear you. I've had people answer their phone, not not where I'm at currently, but I've had people answer their phone in church before. Like it rings and that's already like distracting. And then it's like, hello. <laughs> yes. It happens down the Senate. There's one guy in the Senate who will answer his phone wherever and whenever. Now, in his defense, he's a, he's a businessman. He's got business that he has to take care of. But, oh, but – uh, Finally, one of the guys said, would you please not answer your phone? (laughs) All right, number two, don't use your phone in any place in which people expect a certain atmosphere. There are certain situations in which people expect a respectful quiet to prevail. Mm. A cell phone should not burst this bubble of ambiance, right? Thus... How are we doing on time? Okay, we're good. Thus, you should never use your cell phone at funerals, weddings, classes... Church services, there it is. Movies, plays, museums, etc. By even allowing your cell phone to ring, turn it off. I always do that. I am, I am pretty good about that. Um, I'm not perfect in all these cell phone etiquette, but I do turn it off on Sundays. By even allowing your cell phone to ring, never mind speaking into it, you announce to the world that your conversation is more important than the ruminations of everyone else in the room. It's the height of arrogance. Oh man. That's a slap. You're getting a, you're getting a <laughs> vicarious thrill out of listening oh, to this. Yeah. All right, so we're out of time for today. We'll do more. Uh, we got more of um, cell phone etiquette the next show. So we're going to have your dad on yeah, next, next week. week. And uh, we'll look forward to that. You folks will enjoy that very much. I'm looking forward to having him on. We tried it once. We lost the whole show. The, oh. the computer just crashed Technical. it was a heartbreak it was a heartbreaker because uh but we'll have him back on he's going to call in from arizona he was in the studio last time visiting here mm-hmm. preached here you're listening to the voice of truth a radio show we thank you so much for tuning in have a great day <laughs>